everybody, you're listening to Dames Not Damsels. Dames Not Damsels. And today we are talking about language, linguistics, and how they affect women and men. Yeah. First I want to start out by saying I'm sorry that we've been a little silent lately. <laughs> it's because we've been preparing for a cool episode like this one. Yeah, we've been saving our voices. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I mean, gals. Yep. Um, so... I think that I kind of want to start with, um, I think the biggest thing that people have kind of been talking about lately is that vocal fry. That vocal fry. <laughs> or maybe even up talk like this. Yeah, there's been like a lot of like up talk talk. And like maybe a lot of um, fillers and like, you know what I mean, fillers. Um, yeah, I think I know like what you mean. I think like we're on the same page here. <laughs> Uh, so we recently stumbled across an article, uh, multiple articles actually, that talk about how women in particular use these uh, linguistic devices and how they are, they tend to be kind of knocked down for them. Yeah, a little bit uh, detrimental to the way that women are viewed by everybody around them. Particularly in the workplace. Yeah, particularly in the workplace. Um, so... We just kind of described the two different things that um, are mainly focused on in these articles, which is the uptalk, which is most commonly heard in like valley girl speak. That's the most common knowledge for uptalk. And then vocal fry, which you hear the Kardashians doing a lot of. <laughs> That's when they talk really low like this and their voice gets all gravelly. Um, Apparently, those are detrimental things to women speaking, just, you know, talking to anybody. <laughs> um, I'd like to point out here really quick that Brie is a linguistics expert. Whoop, whoop. Um, she knows five languages. And so we get to hear, we get to kind of pull from, pick and pull from her brain and, and learn about these things a little bit from her. Five languages, what? <laughs> um, so... Why why do these things exist? Like, why, why do people's voices fluctuate up and down? So when you're talking about fluctuating in linguistic sense, your voice is going to fluctuate when you speak in order to add any kind of characteristic to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're excited, your voice is going to get up higher. You're going to get really, really stoked. And you you hear that in their voice. And then when somebody's really bummed, you can hear that in their voice. The tone of your voice changes constantly. And that's like, it's basically like a stylistic thing that happens as you're growing up. You pick up on things that people around you are saying. And it's almost kind of like music to your ears. Oh, I like the way that that person says this when you're younger. And that's how you continue saying things. Mm-hmm. You pick up most of it from your parents, which is why as you get older, you start to realize, hey, I'm talking a lot like my mom. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's something that people pick up naturally. It's in every single language. People have different tones in the way that they speak. Mm-hmm. If we were all speaking in monotone, we would hate every day of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's cultural, meaning that it's coming from everywhere we hear it around us. So doesn't that mean that men are, are speaking in these patterns as well? Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because 
men will actually speak in uptalk when speaking to women more often than they will speaking to men. What? However, they'll use vocal fry speaking to men more often than speaking to women. Reason being, uptalk is a more peppy, fun way of speaking, and for some reason, men and even sometimes women will do it where when they are speaking to a female they feel like they need to have a more peppy happy sound to their voice <laughs> and then when you're speaking to men for some reason vocal fry the longer drawn out scratchy sounds are they're almost more masculine they're mm -hmm. they're seen as a power type of speak so I'm glad that you brought that up because, yeah, and that is not just in one language. That is in every language that I have known. Men will speak to women different than they speak to other men. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I think it's particularly interesting because we notice these things in women, but it's happening all around us. And for some reason in the workplace, this is unacceptable. And and women are kind of being told to change the way that they speak to um, get, you know, more respect in the workplace or to get that raise or to sound more assertive when they're trying to negotiate or work with a client, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but why do we have to change if everyone is kind of using these same patterns? <laughs> so there are, there's extremes. Mm -hmm. um, I, as we've talked about in several episodes, I'm a phones rep. So I talk to people on the phone all day and we are expected to be happy, friendly, and essentially the sun is shining at all times where I work. <laughs> and it is very easy to find yourself saying the same words over and over and over. Mine is perfect. I will say perfect on the phone 1,200,000 times. And I don't even realize that I'm doing it until I realize I'm doing it. And I hate <laughs> myself every time I say it. But I've actually been called out, not by women, but by men for saying these filler words constantly. Um, one guy got so upset at me saying perfect a hundred times that he made me stop and he said, if I hear you say the word perfect one more time, I'm going to strangle you. <laughs> this is talking to a phones rep, okay, about something that is not all that important. I, I sell things on the phone that are not that detrimental to your life. <laughs> um, but yeah, he said that he would strangle me if he heard me say the word perfect one more time. That's pretty aggressive. Yeah. And another, another awesome one was somebody, um, he told me that I sound exactly like all of his receptionists. You sound just like all of my receptionists. Anytime they get on the phone, everything is fun and perfect. And he started mocking me. <laughs> And I just had to sit there and smile and watch what I said after that. And nobody is going to speak naturally when you're watching the words that are coming out of your mouth. Right. Because you're trying to avoid filler words. Right. That makes sense. Um, there's a filler word for you. Yeah. Actually, when editing these podcasts, I notice filler words. Uh, in particular, for me, I use the word like. And so... um. And I can't, I, if you listen to any of our episodes, like there's like 27 of them per minute. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And what's funny is when you're in the middle of the conversation, when you're talking to the person, your brain isn't constantly triggering every, every single time the person says like or um or any other 
filler type word that's just in the English language we've progressed into a point where and this isn't even just in the English language I can tell you fillers in all of the other languages I know and I know for a fact that every different culture has their own fillers their own they're basically sentence progressors Mm -hmm. where your brain just kind of stops for a second you need to regroup what you're saying and then continue your sentence Mm um I'm doing it now and (laughs) I mean, when you're really thinking about it, that's when you hear it. That's when you try to be a bit more self-conscious about it. But when you're in a, when you're in a conversation with somebody, unless they're saying the word like 20,000 times, mm-hmm. you're really not going to notice it. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing, I, I recently heard, uh, I think it was an NPR uh, podcast, but it was about... It was about these filler words and how language has progressed and changed over time. And you listen to old recordings of the radio or of old TV shows, and there's something that sounds just a little bit different, and you're not quite sure what it is. And uh, what they realized was that they weren't using the word like and um. Mm-hmm. That was That's kind of been added as time has gone on. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, it's... So I have my own thoughts and opinions on this. Uh, this let's is hear them, actually girl. one of the things that I haven't really done a whole lot of research on. I do feel like we are in a day and age where our language is not as precise and pristine as it previously was. I mean, mm-hmm. you read Shakespeare now and there's literally a translation right next to it <laughs> into modern day English because no one would understand what in the heck they're saying (laughs) nobody would understand it i mean you literally have to sit there and read it 20 times before you could even pick up on nuances in the language for you to piece together the sentence that's trying to be said right so i feel like our language over time has become a lot more lax uh we're not worried about the way that we sound when we talk as much as we were before I mean Mm -hmm. everything was letters and I need to write out this one specific thing to this one specific person and when you're writing when you write a note to somebody you don't put like or um or anything like that in there nine times out of ten you're literally writing your thought and Mm -hmm. your thought doesn't have likes and ums in it your thought is clear you can stop go back and fix it um so I feel like that's my I don't know my personal opinion that makes that (laughs) makes complete sense and we're living in such a fast-paced need it now kind of world whereas before it took a couple of days for a letter to or longer for a letter to get to somebody so you sat down and you took the time and you wrote out and it was this big thing and now it's like you snap and you get a message and and we need information now so it doesn't matter if it's perfect as long as the the information is being communicated and I think you know text messaging has become its own language and I I think that pretty soon we'll be teaching like old timers you know how to how to text and and what things mean Mm -hmm. so that they can communicate in this day and age like I I firmly believe that these are all kind of branching off into different languages um and while these are are new forms and so we're looking at them like they're not legitimate um language is a constant moving evolving thing and so it's kind of crazy to mock somebody for 
um, a use of a new word or an abbreviation when a year later Oxford Dictionary puts it out and says, that's a word now. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Bay is a word. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. It's crazy because now um, you're starting to see more abbreviations becoming actual words. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Bay actually stands for something, right? <laughs> I think I heard that just the other day, actually. <laughs> Somebody said that Bay literally represents three other words. And I was like, I have never heard of that, but I don't doubt it. <laughs> and we all use it like it's a normal thing. I mean, even in normal speech, sometimes I'll say, oh, IDK. Yeah. Or something like that. And it, I think you were onto something when you were saying we're in a more fast-paced time where things are moving forward and we don't we don't want to stop and take the time to fully say everything. We want it to go quickly. We want to move through the conversation, get to the point that we were trying to get to or get onto a different subject. And where that's sad, where language before was very beautiful, I feel like even the way that we talk now will eventually be looked back at and people will go, wow, that was awesome that they did that. It was really cool that instead of formulating all of these specific words, they literally found something and created a word that everybody throughout <laughs> throughout that language knew what it meant. Right. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. And I, I have to I have to admit something have to I feel guilty not Uh-oh. I used to be a naysayer of the abreaves and of the emojis <laughs> you couldn't I, fight it I I couldn't fight it any longer it came on like a tidal wave it's here and <laughs> I've actually had many conversations and I was you know very upset when like Oxford Dictionary let out and I think it was an emoji I think it was the smiley face emoji and and that's a word now Mm -hmm. and so my heart was like are you kidding me but I've had multiple conversations with people who use them and who are also lovers of language who are like you can't be mad at that because language is evolving and what is a word if not a symbol for something else Mm -hmm. and so emojis are a symbol for a word which is a symbol of something else yep and with that newly found perspective, I can get past the emoji a little bit and also the abbreviations that I find myself. I actually was using a lot of them um, sarcastically and ironically, <laughs> and then they found their way into my speech. So when you hear like whatevs or like totes, just know that that came from like a negative place and is now part of my life. <laughs> It's funny that you talk about the um, the smiley face becoming a word or, uh-huh. or essentially like a, a feeling. The I read an article just the other day that LOL no longer means laugh out loud. No, it's, it does not. No, it's not. It's <laughs> actually become a text filler. Yep. It's literally become its own filler nobody's actually laughing out loud at something that's happening but in order to keep a conversation lighthearted and happy or using it even I mean as a sarcastic type of thing people will put in lol and it no longer just means I'm laughing it it really is more of a I don't know what else to put here <laughs> to make this conversation or to make this text message that I'm sending not sound harsh. So I'm going to add LOL in there and they're going to know that this is a lighthearted conversation Yeah. or I'm not 
trying to be mean by saying this. I'm going to put LOL. And uh, when a person reads that, their immediate, their brain, something in their brain triggers that, okay, they're happy. This is okay. This isn't something that's wrong. I see a smile. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with this day and age, we do speak through text message so frequently um, that that it's interesting to start seeing them, Mm -hmm. to start seeing stuff like that evolve into actual conversation. Yeah. Not just literal, I'm laughing out loud, ha ha. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> if someone was laughing out loud every time they wrote that, it's like, you, you might need to check yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're laughing that often, I'm worried about you. <laughs> um, going back to the up talk and um, the fry voice, voice fry, um, I found in an article this interesting little snippet on a research paper that they had done. Uh, It says, this endless policing of women's language, their voices, their annotation patterns, the words that they use, and their syntax is uncomfortably similar to the way that our culture polices women's bodily appearance. Just as the media and beauty industry continually invent new reasons for women to be self-conscious about their bodies, so magazine articles and radio programs like the ones that I've mentioned encourage a similar self-consciousness about their speech. Who's that, that by? Is insanely accurate. Um, it is on InTheseTimes.com. The article is called "An Open Letter to Naomi Wolf: Let Women Speak How They Please," um, and this is by Debbie Cameron. Um, she's absolutely right because men do use the same fluctuations in their voice, and for you to single out women and say that the way that they're saying it is wrong, the way that they're saying it is making them look stupid or bad. Mm-hmm. We're just putting them down for something that men do too. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy. I'm I'm with you there. The thing that's craziest about it is that we mock women for the way that they speak, but women, young women in particular are kind of driving the way that like the culture goes as far as language. Um, young women use the LOLs and they use the vocal fry and they use the specific terms and we make fun of them until it's just all of a sudden ingrained in everybody's language. So we mock the first person to do it, but then we're all kind of doing it. And I'm very guilty because I just told you all about my emoji problem. And so I'm sorry, fellow women. I apologize. It's she was a on me too. She was a mocker. <laughs> No, I I agree with that. I think that that it was someone who is not fully invested in actual linguistics that said this. Okay. That's where this is all leading me to because I have seen several responses to this from actual linguists and all of them agree that that is asinine for these people that are saying that this is a problem to think that men don't do it too mm-hmm. and to think that it's something that women should stop doing if they want to sound educated and confident in in their speech mm-hmm. I will agree and this is where I'm kind of on the fence with it I will agree when I'm listening to somebody talk and they're not using a lot of fillers they are clearly knowledgeable in the subject that they're that they're speaking on in say a presentation Mm-hmm. absolutely please try to cut those fillers down make sure that you know what you're talking about put it all out there in a professional type of way 
when you're doing a speech, when you're talking to somebody, you shouldn't have to be consciously aware of every single thing that you're saying in hopes of sounding smart. You're still smart. You still know what you're talking about. I'm sitting here having a conversation about linguistics and I'm still using filler words. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make me dumb. (laughs) That doesn't mean I know any less. And it definitely doesn't mean that I'm not confident in what I'm saying. I think that it's so funny that somebody legitimately believes out there somewhere in this world, several people believe that using filler words, using uptalk, using vocal fry is a negative way for a woman to present herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good point. But at, it shouldn't be this way. But at the same time, being aware of that in the office it, it makes me want to use it less to mm-hmm. feel like I might be heard more and more respected. And that's a shame. Yeah. But it also, if it gets you where you need to go, it's hard to, to mock it. Like, I, I yeah, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm also on the fence with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it is really hard to not look at it from the way that you were taught when you're growing up and you're in English class, and mm-hmm. they're talking to you about how to present a, we'll go back to the speech thing, how to present a speech, how to present a resume, how to present a, we'll, we'll even go into the artsy stuff, poems. Do you hear people in poems saying like and um a bunch of times? No. Sometimes in slam poetry, sure, you'll hear it. <laughs> and that's because it's something from their heart that's actually how they represent themselves. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at people who are trying to look professional and trying to keep a a nice formal appearance of themselves, they don't use those words. We're taught not to use those words. However, they have become such a huge part of our language that it's almost funny to not use them. Mm-hmm. It just goes back to me saying that I don't think that that makes that person any less knowledgeable on the subject. It's just the way they talk. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And it's it's almost like your special brand of it's like your fingerprint, the Mm -hmm. way that you um, your words fluctuate and the way that your voice goes up and down. And yeah, it really is. And I mean, in any language, you'll you'll hear people that will sound the same, especially if you don't understand the language. It's really easy to not understand a language and listen to two different people talking and they sound the same. And it's because your brain is trying harder to compute what they're saying versus what they sound like. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're going to sound similar. But if you're listening to somebody in a language that you know, you can pick up on small things, even if their voices sound almost identical. You can pick up on small things that these people say that does set them apart mm-hmm. from the other person. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you said that because it just, it, it <laughs> I don't know. It is the, kind of their own fingerprint, their own vocal fingerprint. Yeah. You can't mock somebody for their the way that they are. Yeah. Come on. Especially putting the the tag label of women shouldn't do this on there I think that's what's bothering me the most about it is they're not just picking on like a vocal thing they're picking on the way that women do this vocal thing yeah I that's a very good point (laughs) yeah connecting that with the way that that we police our bodies is 
like genius yeah (laughs) it's very similar it really is because women are expected to have these beautiful forms and you look in the magazines and you see these beautiful women wearing all these beautiful clothes and they're super ultra thin and then we glorify the dad bod (laughs) (laughs) like the dad bod is your typical glorification of a normal man's body (laughs) and I mean I'm into it I've got a husband with a dad bod (laughs) but I've also got a mom bod and he accepts that for what it is and it's I feel like that correlation the up talk and vocal fry compared to the body things was way too perfect (laughs) because that is it's so true dad bod is the new vocal fry (laughs) (laughs) okay for dads to do it moms not so much (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious It's so true, though. It is. I'm with you. I saw a whole modeling thing on men with the dad bod, and women were going crazy about it. They just loved the heck out of that dad bod. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ladies swoon over the muscly, oiled up men that shouldn't be that slick and oily. But (laughs) (laughs) there's also, again, the, the dad bod, and you don't see it as often where men are like, oh, yeah. Look at that average-sized lady over there. (laughs) (laughs) She wears regular-sized pants. Oh, yeah. That (laughs) regular old lady. (laughs) I have a question for you, too. Um, Women are more likely to dance around a subject when they want something. Um, So... What am I trying to say? There's there's the use of kinda or do you know what I'm saying? Or what about if we do such, such, and such? Instead of being like, do this. This is what I mean. Go. And it sounds less direct because it is less direct. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's because we've been taught to be nice and we've been taught how to interact And I don't think that getting along in the workplace is necessarily a bad thing, but I also do think that we need to be taken seriously. So what is, what is our option here? Like, do we continue to dance around what we're looking for or do we risk being called the B word when we are direct? What is, what is our answer? So for that one, I don't really think that there's a straightforward answer uh, because this and this is outside of a linguistics aspect. This comes down to a what we're brought up and taught. Mm-hmm. Women seek approval a lot more than men do in the way that they speak, in the way that they present their thoughts to people. Because um, we're nurturers. Yeah, we are. We absolutely are nurturers. And the way that we present information is much more of do you agree with this? Are, is this something that you are on the same thought pattern as me with? Are we, are we together in this thought? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be detrimental to, to different things, especially in the workplace. Because if you're seeking approval for something, most, peop- most workplaces are not looking for that. Pe- workplaces want you to be able to be firm in your beliefs, in your thoughts. They want you to be able to present information mm-hmm. and have a firm standing behind that. And it is difficult as a woman to basically put aside everything that you were brought up with because when you hear other women talk, they do it too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a 
I'm picking up on one thing that I was told one time, it's we're literally brought up with it. We see it in the TVs, we see it in movies, we see it on, I, I mean, everywhere. Our parents do it, the people around us do it, mm-hmm. and it's hard to pull yourself away from what you have constantly seen and find that firmness in yourself and I mean some women just have got it some women are very direct they know what they want they're ready to present it that way Mm -hmm. but I can guarantee you there are times when they're vulnerable and they're speaking and they talk exactly like that whereas with men it's a different story um most male perception in movies and videos and things like that is they are the dominant ones they know what they want and they're going to do it anyways whether a lady likes it or not or not whether mm-hmm. anybody likes it or not frankly mm-hmm. does gender aside they're going to do it anyways mm-hmm. and i mean sitcoms it's funny they you've got the funny guy who just does whatever he wants to all the time anyways or you've got the girl on the side who's like guys let's corral it in here and let's talk about this before we go and do it we we really are more of the let's all think on this together versus I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do Mm -hmm. well and there's also the fact that there's such a backlash when a woman is direct and Mm -hmm. uses that quote-unquote male directness yeah it's almost Um, foreign yeah well and you notice it Mm -hmm. when a man says something that is just what he wants it's not mean it's neutral but he just wants what he wants to get the job done but when a woman does it it's noticeable people feel it and if uh, if you want to be liked or if you don't want to be you know called that hard ass you start to talk in a specific way Mm -hmm. so that people can hear it it's softer on their ears and their palates yep and um and people receive that better (laughs) Right. Unfortunately, they do. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you. And I think that that has a lot to do with when you see the like corporate hierarchies where it goes from women are in the workforce, but how many of them are actually the lady bosses? How many right. of them are the CEOs? You don't see a whole lot of them. And I think that it does really come down to that because when... I worked with a bunch of women at an animal hospital. They they were not nice. I mean, <laughs> the, the women in power there were not nice. Uh-huh. And the way that they spoke to me was a lot different than they spoke to the people above them. Because then you get to the people above them and it goes back into the, so do we agree of on this whereas with the people below them it was very this is how it's going to get done and sometimes I don't know if it was people taking it a little too far or if it was just a misconception on how they were presenting the information Mm -hmm. it did It, it came off as a lot more harsh than a dude coming up and being like hey this is what how this is gonna go mm-hmm. so I feel like we are kind of put into a situation where It's a double-edged sword. We could be kind and present the information in a kind way that people receive well and not move up the chain. Or we can be direct, have a lot of people think that we're just awful and that we (laughs) are heartless women, but we move up because another guy sees that and he's like, yeah, that's awesome. 
that person knows what they want. They're a great leader. Let's move them on up the chain. Maybe. But then the people below. <laughs> yeah. But then the people below are like, wow, man, I really hate that chick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think really it all comes down to understanding that just because somebody's direct doesn't mean that she's awful. Just because somebody's soft and kind doesn't mean that she's unintelligent. And taking these thoughts in, being aware of the, the language differences, um, or actually the language similarities that we're calling differences in mm-hmm. between men and women, um, and then taking that into account in the way that you react to people, but also in the way that you speak to people. And I think that just leads to a better understanding, people getting along and getting each other and yeah, what communication is all about. What's funny is I am often perceived as the person that nobody really wants to approach and talk to. (laughs) And it's because I'm not always the most bubbly person. People that sit around me at work, they think it's hilarious because my phone voice is a completely different person. Like (laughs) that is not the way I talk in real life. I promise you. And if any of the people that I talk to on a daily basis listen to this they know that I mean they hear my phone voice and they're like wow that you sound real nice (laughs) (laughs) and then I get off the phone and I'm different I'm I'm Mm -hmm. totally different like my demeanor changes I on the phone you can hear the smile in my voice Mm -hmm. every other day of my life I'm not constantly smiling my (laughs) my face is not stuck in a constant smile there are people that are like that. There's men and women that are like that, but I'm not. And I've always been perceived as the person that nobody really wants to talk to because they're not really sure whether or not I'm really, really awful. <laughs> I, I just want to say the B word because I've been called that a lot. <laughs> and people without knowing me will call me that. And then as soon as they get to know me, they're like, wow, yeah, I thought you were really awful. I thought you were so, so awful. Like my best friend in the whole world. She hated me when she first met me and it's really came down to she didn't know me and the look on my face and the way that I spoke to people wasn't the nurturing voice that most people expect out of women Mm -hmm. they wanted you to be soft and nice yeah (laughs) yeah and that's I mean unfortunately I was the the girl who grew up as one of the guys Mm mm-hmm Um, so that didn't help my case (laughs) because I did pick up a lot of their mannerisms Mm -hmm. and now I look at it and it really helped me because I can look at it from a different point of view where vocal fry is more my thing. (laughs) It really is. That's everybody talks about this soft, sultry voice. I have 90% of that as vocal fry guys. (laughs) Yeah. That, that cool, sultry voice. (laughs) That's awesome. I have what you would say is a smiley, soft face, but that just means I can get away with saying way more sassy things than the next guy. And people laugh at it. And people think I'm hilarious and being silly. (laughs) (laughs) What a good joke you just did where you make fun of me like that. Look at how mischievous you are. It's adorable to me, (laughs) the things coming out of your mouth, but... Probably on somebody else that wouldn't go by as smoothly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a funny thing that we have here. And the vocal fry versus the up talk is absolutely me and you. Like, <laughs> I'm the vocal fry in all of this and you're the up talk and it's glorious and wonderful. And you guys love us. I mean, 
our <laughs> listeners really love us. We get a lot of great feedback on how we feed off of each other. And nobody thinks, oh, one of them sounds like a valley girl and the other one sounds like a Kardashian. Like, <laughs> I goodness, literally never heard those <laughs> words. And I we might now think it's hilarious that that's the two <laughs> ties that they put into that article. <laughs> Up talk like a valley girl. Vocal fry like a Kardashian. <laughs> Rough. Oh, and so, then it has to do with confidence. That's that's the best part. Yeah, because I use all kinds of fillers, even when I'm feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> are you unconfident when you are saying things and using fillers? No, usually I'm more confident because I'm taking the time to really process what I'm saying and put it together. And those ums and likes are because I'm piecing it in my mind before it exits my mouth. <laughs> What's funny is when I use most of my fillers, I'm really mad. Oh, Like, I'm really mad and I have to stop and think about what I'm about to say. And if I don't stop, then I'm going to say some really awful things. <laughs> so the likes and the ums are saving the person that I'm speaking to from just a beratement of words. So, like, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> that. <laughs> so what do you think our, our action items are here? I think that our action items here are to not always take what you read and see as something negative. We could have taken this article and been like, you know what? That's really true. I probably shouldn't do that and completely changed ourselves because an article said that somebody thinks that it's bad. Mm-hmm. I think that our action items should be to just be you. Talk like you want to talk. Yeah. Talk like you want to talk and allow that same space for others to talk how they talk. So just be you. Yeah. Let others be them. Agreed. Talk the way you want to talk. So speaking of ladies who are good at talking, we found an awesome podcast of these wonderful women. We did. They're called Dames and Dragons. Um, they are a podcast that plays awesome D&D games. It's an all-lady campaign. Um, they they found us because we have similar awesome uh, podcast names, and so we kind of come up next to each other. But they listened to our first episode and heard us ask the question, what would it sound like for an all-woman campaign? Would we listen more? Would we just be like standing around asking each other what they want to do? What do you feel like doing? And uh, they reached out to us and and invited us to give them a listen. And we think they're awesome. We want to be their best friends. They sound super cool. They and they're our friends. Cool. They agreed to be our friends. <laughs> so you should go check them out. Um, you can find them on iTunes and give them a listen when we want to hear what you think. Yeah, let us know what you guys think of the All Ladies uh, podcast on Dungeons & Dragons. They're hilarious. They're super funny. Um, we would also love to hear more from you. You should get on us when we're taking a long time to send up or to get you a podcast. We would love to hear from you. I actually did have a listener approach me and say, okay, like, when is the next one, though? And it really got some fire under us. So we apologize. We're going to be try to stay on top of these things. But we also love that you guys are anxiously waiting. So if you have any podcast topics that you'd like to talk, hear about, um, if you just want to share some of your experiences that maybe relate to some episodes that we've done in the past, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram, um, Facebook, and Twitter. 
And you can go to our website at thebardpodcast.com forward slash dames, not damsels. And we can't wait to hear from you. As always, be sure to head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash dames, not damsels. Um, this week, we're going to recommend the confidence code just on the topic of women and language. This book is the science and art of self-assurance and what women should know. This is by Katie Kay and Claire Shipman. Um, Laura over here really highly recommends it. She read it. She super loves it. I'm going to go read it and super love it too. And we think that you guys should. So head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash dames not damsels. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Also, be sure to check out the rest of the Bard Podcast family of shows. You can also find that on thebardpodcast.com. Just go to the homepage on our awesome Laura here made that amazing website that you're going to see. You open your eyes to a beautiful website. Um, check out our other shows. We've got some cool ones on there where we play D&D. Um, and then a couple guys that talk about D&D rules. If you're interested, uh, go take a listen. Okay, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.